Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grabs, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And a handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Alright, well, here we are, welcome into the Blitz Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my fellow friend, my fellow host, my fellow BlitzPod member, Jaden Kozak. How are you doing today, my guy? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, I was, you know, hoping for a better result on Sunday, but wasn't expecting a better result. Oh. I was just waiting for the flood, and it came, but, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get in. We are... Expecting Mitchell McDonald, hopefully at some point during this podcast, but um, he's having some technical difficulties himself uh, with the Skype right now, but we hope he joins us at some point, but until then, we are going to dive right in. So, oh, I didn't mention, 50th episode, man. Give it up. Soundboard, when it happens, little Warren, sirens or something. Warren. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. Yeah, with this whole OBS studio setup I have now. I'm going to look into a soundboard very close to now because that's what's going to take us to the next level. Having some having some ad libs in our podcast. So looking forward to that. But yeah, 50 episodes in for the Blitz podcast feels good, man. So all right, let's dive into the football that we have to cover from this week. And going into this weekend. And we will start with a little... Uh, I've been calling it League News for a while. But I, I kind of want to give it a name. Especially with the potential for a soundboard in the near future. I kind of want to start giving our segments specific names for sure. So, around the League section. is just like, you know, your League News being broken down from the week. So, yeah, let's hop into the Around the League segments. And I start off with a report coming out of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And that report is that apparently Jim Harbaugh will take the Las Vegas Raiders job if offered. They apparently have a head coaching vacancy. Um, Basaccia may potentially return as the head coach, but they have been interviewing people despite him still being the active head coach. Um, interim but still interesting situation to say the least but yeah Michigan sources close to Jim Harbaugh said he will take the Vegas job if it's offered um, other Harbaugh news he had a short phone conversation with the Bears this week and using the verb short um, well not verb adjective yeah but um Using that word probably meant that the talks did not go very well for him to go to Chicago as the head coach, but there's looking for some potential in Vegas. Jaden, I'll ask you, man, do you think Harbaugh would be a good fit in Vegas? And if not, do you think Harbaugh leaves Michigan at all? I think that if he does leave Michigan, he's probably going to end up in Vegas, but I don't know what Vegas is like going to be. I think Harbaugh is coming in to the NFL. If you're bringing a college coach up to the NFL, you want them to have the most talent around them. You don't want them to have to build a roster because of the way that the college coach builds a roster is much different from how a pro coach builds a roster. 
And that roster, despite their record and despite the fact they made the playoffs, there's a lot of holes to fill. I mean, you have wide receiver is a massive hole right now. The offensive line, the cornerback room is now a hole again. Your linebackers aren't good. The D-line, like there's an, almost an entire football team worth to cover, and you don't know the future of your quarterback. You don't know what Derek Carr's going to think about Jim Harbaugh. I think Versace has done a really good job. I mean, all the things that they've been through this season to push them to the playoffs, that's fantastic. Do I understand if they want to go in another direction? Yeah, because, I mean, he is, he's been a, he's never been a head coach his entire life, never at the high school, college level, anything. So maybe bringing in a Harbaugh could be good for them, but it might be time to hit the reset button, and I don't know if Harbaugh's the guy. Fair, fair. Yeah, like, if you think about it, honestly, it would make more sense for him to go to Chicago. Like, he used to play there. You've got a first-round quarterback just drafted last year that you have plenty of potential to, like, develop up. And you've got some good young pieces there in general. So I find it interesting that he favors Vegas over Chicago. I mean, it is Vegas, but Harbaugh doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who is a dumb partier, just wants to live in Vegas. So I thought it was interesting, but we will see how it plays out. You know, these head coaching hirings should be coming pretty soon, rolling in. So that'll be fun to break down. All right. The next uh, little piece of news from the Around the League segment is um, Bruce Arians hopping into the headlines again. Um, he was fined $50,000 after he hit safety Andrew Adams in the back of the helmet versus Philly. I don't know if anybody saw it, but he really gave him a good uh, a good slap on the back of the helmet, man. It was, it was authoritative, <laughs> to say the least. But... Bruce Arians, like I said, he's been in the been in the headlines very frequently as of late with the Antonio Brown situation, and then Antonio Brown kind of flipping the story on him, um, saying that he wanted him to play injured, and Bruce cut him because he wouldn't do that. So I want to ask you a question, man, and we don't have to spend too much crazy time on this, but do you think Bruce Arians is toxic? And this question kind of came to me when I was watching the game against Philly because you saw Tristan Wirfs obviously in pain and goes off the field, comes back in, plays two plays in obvious pain, and then leaves the rest of the game. And he's unlikely to play this week. So the making injured players play narrative is kind of playing out in real life, you know? You think Bruce Arians is a toxic head coach? <laughs> I mean, I think it's a lot of that, like, old, you know, bare knuckles football mentality. He's got, like, you know, put some ice on it and get back out there type of mentality he's got. And I don't really know how well that works anymore. And when you have a Super Bowl caliber team that is slowly, you know, getting picked apart. I mean, A.B.'s gone. Godwin, done for the year. Fournette uh, is injured right now. He wasn't able to play last week. And then they've had problems in their secondary all year. At one point, they had none of their three starting corners from last year playing. So you would think that that would make him wise up a little bit like, hey, you know, maybe we are playing the Eagles and we're up by 17 at that point. Uh, let's take our superstar right tackle, our all-pro right tackle out. But, I mean, I do think, though, the fine, I didn't think that was really deserved. I think that he, he you know, that, that's what a coach does. You're, you're, you're pulling your guy out of a fight. You're trying to get him. If the guy went and went in there, he would have got fined. So... It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. I just thought, like, it's it's interesting because you never heard any of this about Bruce Arians prior to, 
like this season, you know. And Antonio Brown's going to bring the headlines to your team and unwanted attention, obviously. And that has really come to fruition now. So, yeah, interesting stuff. All right, next piece of newsworthy bit from the Around the League section is Jalen Hurts being announced that he is expected to to start in 2022 for the Eagles. Uh, Nick Sirianni was asked in a press conference um, whether or not he felt Jalen Hurts is the guy in Philly. And he said, and I quote, there's no secrets there. He knows he's our guy. Jaden, do you think Jalen Hurts is a potential franchise quarterback? Because it's looking like Philly is thinking that they really got something in Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. Franchise is tough. Like, franchise is like, okay, I'm ready to give this guy the extension when he wants it or when he's ready for it. I'm not feeling that way about Jalen Hurts, especially not after what I saw Sunday. I know, like, it's the Bucks defense and there's, you know, a whole bunch of things going on there, but that was really rough to watch from a fan standpoint. So I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the franchise guy, but with three first round picks, I mean, I feel like you got to take a shot at one quarterback. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I think Jalen hurts. He's the next up and coming potentially franchise guy. You know, I think a lot of the preset, uh, Opinions on Jalen Hurts, especially coming into this year, have kind of tainted people's opinion on him after this year. You know, coming into the year, he was expected to be one bottom five starting quarterback, and he was not that. He was a lot better than that. He was a dual threat quarterback, and Fran, uh, you're right. Franchise guy is. I'm gonna give this extension to this guy like when I want to, but. I don't know. Would you consider, like, Kirk Cousins a franchise guy? Ryan Tannehill a franchise guy? Because if we're talking that kind of franchise quarterback, then I think Jalen Hurts is definitely in that conversation. Well, franchise guy in the connotation of he's 22 versus, like, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, those guys are getting up into their 30s now. Like, Jalen Hurts like, okay, if you say you're the franchise guy after your second year in the league, that means we're moving on, we're moving forward with this guy, we're building around him, we're going to do whatever we can to make him successful. And I don't know if there's any, like, yeah, they have the Jalen Rieger, like, joke that is uh, that is Jalen Rieger. Um, and they don't have a whole lot of weapons for him. But I just, I can't see him winning a Super Bowl like I know we thought about this with Lamar before but Jalen Hurts is severely behind Lamar Jackson as a thrower as bad as everyone makes Lamar Jackson out to be as a thrower Jalen Hurts is way behind that as well as processing yeah yeah no you you saw it in the game against Tampa Bay like he was he did have a injury apparently um that he was playing through but Definitely did not play his best game in Tampa. But, yeah, interesting stuff from Sirianni saying that he is, in fact, the franchise guy in Philadelphia. Um, all right. Looks like we're about to get Mitchell McDonald in here, which will be good stuff. So we will take a small TV timeout to get him situated in here, and then we will, we will return back to discuss – Mel Kuyper's mock draft that just got released. Um, And we'll compare that with Jaden's mock draft. 
and then we'll look into a recap from this past weekend, and then we'll dive into the divisional round preview. So we will be right back, folks. We are live. We are back live with Mitchell McDonald in house. Uh, how you doing, man? Welcome in. I'm doing good after some technical. I'm doing good after some technical but difficulties. Powering through, but yeah, powering through. Me and uh, me and Jaden were talking. One day we will come in here and there will be no problems, and that's going to be a day very soon. You know, we're not going to have any problems for the rest of the podcast. I'll tell you that. But anyway, well, it's good to have Mitchell McDonald in the house. Um, but let's continue our around the league segment we got going here. Um, and next piece of news that we got to dive into is Mel Kuyper after yesterday. And no surprise, number one and two, it was Aiden Hutchinson and Kevin Thibodeau going one and two. He's got Hutchinson going one, Thibodeau going number two. Um, that makes sense. You know, Aiden played this year. Thibodeau didn't really play a shit ton this year. Um, but his first wide receiver off the board is Drake London out of USC. Had a hell of a year, hell of a career. And um, he has him going at number 10 to the Jets. Uh, the first quarterback off the board. He has Malik Willis going number 11 to the Washington football team. Which if that actually happens, I will end my life. Um, and the other first round quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett went 18 in New Orleans, Corral went 20 to Pittsburgh, Sam Howell went number 28 to Detroit, and the final thing that I thought was notable, Jameis Williams dropping down to 21 to New England, uh, you got Drake London going before him, Garrett Wilson at 13 going to Cleveland, and Chris Olave going 19 to the Eagles. So Jaden, our in-house mock draft expert, put together his the other day. Uh, what do you think of Mel Kuyper's first 1.0 mock draft? Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, a lot of the things we had similar. Uh, we had the first three picks similar. So that was our first two picks similar. Uh, and then just a couple things in there. Like you mentioned, Drake London being the first receiver off the board. I didn't think that was too crazy just because the problem or the knock on him was that he got injured. But now Jamison Williams and all these other guys that were in this wide receiver one conversation are also getting injured. So to say that he could be the first receiver off the board isn't crazy because he would have been coming into this year. And then Malik Willis being QB one for him. That was a little weird for me. I didn't think that he's, you know, probably the least polished. Yeah. The least polished as a passer of any of these quarterbacks that are in the upper echelon. Obviously, the potential is immense. He feels much like a Jalen Hurts prospect where he's got it all on the ground, but he just can't get it all together in the air between mentally and physically. He's just not quite there yet. And I know this class isn't super strong, but I'm I'm still probably taking Kenny Pickett. I'm also taking Matt Corral over Malik Willis at this time. I mean, I just compared him to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick and was never really talked about in the first round because of all those limitations that he has and that Malik Willis shares with him. But overall, I mean, it's really hard to get a gauge on how good a mock draft is this early, but, you know, just a couple things that I think are different, but everybody's going to have their own opinion. Yeah, definitely the notable thing was Malik Willis being the number one quarterback off the board. Malik Willis, like, it's almost as if we would repeat the Dwayne Haskins experience. Like, athletically gifted quarterback he's got all the tools he can be built up into a franchise guy but 
we can't do that in Washington. We need like somebody who's ready to play right now. And that would be Kenny Pickett for me. Well, yeah, Haskins was like completely immobile. And I just, I remember it was a funny thing. Like, what was it? Two years ago now when Dwayne Haskins was coming out, he was like, you know, I see this guy is more of a running quarterback and he ran, Dwayne Haskins ran what? Like a five, one forty, something terrible <laughs> like that. And like, you know, it just shows that some people that like do are in the sport are not with the draft stuff really at all. But I mean, yeah, he's been completely mobile. But we're praying for Dwayne Haskins' comeback. We're we're gonna we're gonna hope for Dwayne Haskins' career revival in Pittsburgh because that seems like it's gonna happen this year for some yeah. reason. I saw a, uh, I saw something. I think it was a quote on Twitter or something. Um, but Mike Tomlin said he's going to, or no, Mason Rudolph said. It's going to be nice not to have to step on anybody's toes. And it's like, hmm. You were really you were really stepping on people's toes earlier? You were you were QB1? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think anybody else wants to see any more Mason Rudolph ever again in a football game. So, pretty interesting. Did everything. Stuff. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. So, all right. Well, we are done our around the league little segment we got, and now we're diving into the wild card weekend recap, and that'll be good stuff. Um, mostly blowouts, not gonna lie, but let's dive into it, man. Uh, first thing, the close games among the blowouts this weekend were the Raiders, Bengals. And the 49ers Cowboys. So, Raiders Bengals game, final score in that one. The Bengals pull it out 26 to 19. That is their first playoff win in 32 years. Uh, they have lost, or they had lost, eight playoff games in a row prior to their dub on Saturday. Uh, some of the notable performances from this game uh, you got Jamar Chase. Going nine catches on 12 targets, 116 yards. Then you got Joe Burrow, Joey Football, going 24 for 34, 244 yards, and two touchdowns. Nothing too crazy, but the fact that Jamar Chase made up for more than half of that, or basically half of that, is insane. Um, and then Derek Carr on the other side, he went 29 for 54, 310 yards. One touchdown and one interception. Um, but a big talking point from this game was the little erroneous whistle situation we had in the second quarter. Um, Joey Burrow, he's coming up. They're driving downfield. And he's about, like, what, 15 yards out. And um, he tossed it into the end zone. And while the ball, like, is right about to get to Tyler Boyd's hands in the end zone... A whistle goes off, right? And Tyler Boyd catches it, and then there's confusion. The refs meet up, and they're like, okay, it's a touchdown, I guess. And that was very interesting because if you blow a whistle, play is supposed to stop. They thought Joey Burrow stepped out of bounds, which he clearly did not on the replay. Um, But erroneous whistles are apparently non-reviewable, so the touchdown stood, you know? Um... But I want to ask you guys, especially with the context of the end of that Cowboys game, are the replacement refs back? And we don't have to spend too much time on this, but do you think the refereeing in the playoffs so far has been, like just been terrible, or am I alone on that thought process? 
I mean, I think that was what I mean. What happened in the Bengals game was pretty bad. I am very, very, very against blowing a play dead. Like I understand, like you don't want guys to get hurt, but that could literally flip a play when you go back to review and like, oh, this turned out, or he, you know, he wasn't out of bounds, or that wasn't a fumble, and like that game shifting stuff that just gets called dead when it shouldn't be. So I hate that, but you know, we'll get to the Cowboys thing in a minute. Yeah, we will. Uh, Mitchell, do you think this refereeing has been horrendous, or am I alone on an island? Uh, no, it's been pretty bad. Granted, I think they still probably would have gotten that touchdown, even if it wasn't for the whistle balloon, and they halfway stopped. It seemed like it was too close to when the whistle actually blew, and when the ball was caught to actually make an impact, but mm. some people say otherwise. You gotta give, like, when I was thinking about it, we talked about it in the uh, text group chat, like, Ty goes to the runner, man. Like, for a touchdown, like, that was too close to call off a touchdown, you know? And that was probably going to happen anyway. I totally agree. Um, but this, these referees, man, have been terrible. Like, they made a point after the game to make an official statement on behalf of, on behalf of all referees in the NFL. So, yeah, it's been pretty interesting so far through Wild Card Weekend. But, all right. So, next thing I want to talk about from this game... Uh, forgive me, uh, the, the relation that I'm drawing between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow here is that they were in the same quarterback draft class, you know, and Joe Burrow went number one and Herbert went number six, right? Not sure. Yeah. Right behind Tua Bailoa. Yeah. My guy, the lefty. Um, but we've talked a lot about on this podcast, especially with Tyler, um, the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert debate and which one is better and which quarterback you would rather have. So with this win, with this playoff dub, is it officially time to put Joe Burrow in front of Justin Herbert? Jaden, I'll ask you first, man. Uh, no, I'm still not there yet. The whole reason why I think Herbert is better than Burrow is just the talent that he has that I don't think Burrow ever will. It's just like, I mean, he's got the absolute cannon of an arm that Burrow will never have. And I just think that once everything is right in Los Angeles, like once they get the defense together, I mean, like it's, it's really hard. Their defense after Joey Bosa and Durbin James, like it's really, really tough. Like it's, it's not pretty. And the Bengals really did a good job of this offseason. They brought in a lot of impact players, Trey Hendrickson, Awuzie, like guys that were really under the radar signings that have come in and played very well, Mike Hilton. And I think that's the reason why they are winning playoff games right now and the Chargers aren't. Fair. Mitchell, go ahead and make your case for Herbert over Burrow. Well, yeah, Jaden kind of referred to it. The defense doesn't really do him any justice. Like, if he makes a mistake, they're probably going to capitalize against that defense in most situations. And differences between game styles, between the two of them, Herbert definitely has a lot more at his dispensary due to, like, his arm talent. He's finally learning to, like, get fifth and sixth reads almost on every pass. He's adapting a lot as a quarterback. He's finally getting a steady system. Hopefully Joe Lombardi's back next year so he has – finally for the first time even through college I think like the same offensive scheme in back-to-back years so maybe he'll see strides but with these two quarterbacks it's going to be whoever had the hottest hand lately is going to be the better quarterback in the debate that's just what it's going to be it's kind of Peyton and Brady all over again even though they weren't the same draft they just 
constantly got compared to each other. Right. Exactly. Well, like the Rivers, Big Ben, Eli comparisons, you know, like those guys are locked together for life. And it's going to be the same case with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Um, But we mentioned it a little bit, like as far as like defense and team aspects go. Um, Would you guys unquestionably take the Bengals over the Chargers for like the next five years? Because I am definitely doing that because the Chargers, they have their old pieces. Keenan Allen's not going to be around forever. Uh, Mike Williams isn't exactly a spry chicken either. Um, Austin Eckler's getting up there. Um, you've got old pieces on that team, but on the Bengals, it seems like you got nothing but youth. So, Jaden, you taking the Bengals, no questions, over the Chargers the next couple of years? I mean, it's really close. I think that the Chargers have more impact players. They have more superstars, the Joey Bosa's, the Derwin James, Rashawn Slater which I think is a big advantage that the Chargers have over the Bengals, whereas the Bengals are more well-rounded. Like, Jesse Bates is fantastic, don't get me wrong, but their defense is just filled with a lot of average to above-average guys with no true superstar outside of Jesse Bates, whereas the Chargers have two, you know, franchise guys, two of the best three or four guys of their position, and that's it. Like, the defense is very bare after that, and the offense is kind of the same way. So I think I'm going to lean Chargers, but it's close. It's very close. Mitchell, what you got? Uh, I think you guys know what my, but I'm going to say $90 million in cap space almost for the upcoming year. That'll make a huge difference, and they can plug a lot of the holes that they've had. And I'm I'm not sure Mike Williams is going to be one of those guys that comes back based on all the projected salaries I've seen for him. We can get someone much better than him for probably about the same. Damn, shitting on your boy Mike Williams already. <laughs> I love is. him. Unless he takes like a massive hit compared to what they're projecting, I don't think we should pay him the $17 million that's being discussed. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say the Bengals, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they are in a good situation cap-wise as well. Can you think of any massive contracts that they have on the board right now? I think they're gonna have to pay uh, stuff like that. Just paid yeah, Hendrickson. Well, you got yeah, you got to think they just went out and had a pretty massive offseason last year. I mean, some of their guys went out of the radar, like I said, Awuzie and Mike Hilton being two of those guys. But like Trey Hendrickson got a pretty big deal, and they still don't have a line. Like that was the big mm-hmm. worry coming into this year, and Joe Burrow's been able to you know endure through it, but he's still getting hit a lot. You know, and I don't know if they're going to be in position to get a franchise tackle at what 24, 25 this year. So that question's always going to be there. And uh, Joe Burrow suffered one more season-ending injury than Justin Herbert has. So that's fair. That's fair. They can just keep picking up the Riley Reefs to the league, I guess. For yeah, they just can't keep picking up band aids. <laughs> yep, that's definitely the case. Um, all right. So next game we got on the slate is 49ers Cowboys in the final core the final score final score in that one was 49ers 23 Cowboys 17 definitely the game of the weekend um I think we all had a lot of fun watching this one um notable performances from this one Elijah Mitchell 27 carries 96 yard and a touchdown definitely making everything worth it for that six round pick spot that he came from uh, and then Debo Samuel, seriously looking like a running back now. 10 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown. 
And then on the receiving side, three catches, 38 yards. I mean, he can truly do everything. Um, Jibby G didn't have that spectacular a performance, but he did just what he needed to do to get the job done. Uh, he went 16 for 25, 172 yards, and a t- interception. Um, and then Dak on the other side, uh, 23 for 43, 254 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He also got up to like 68 rushing yards, I believe. Um, but on the receiving side for the Cowboys, it was interesting. Uh, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, and um, Cedric Wilson all had more than five catches and 60 yards. But you look at CD, man, one catch, 21 yards. How do you not get your probably most talented player involved, you know? Um, And then in the running game, nothing was there for the Cowboys besides Dak putting up 68 yards. I mean, Tony Pollard and Zeke combined for just 41 rushing yards. So just terrible. Um, But... Like I said, there was some refs shenanigans going on in this one, too. Um, Let me lay it down for you real quick. Cowboys had no timeouts. Driving down the field, final drive. Um, And the Cowboys obviously looked to hurry up and spike it, or so we thought. Um, But the referee needs to touch the ball first, and that kind of falls on Dak. You should get the ball to the ref right away. Um, You see guys like Larry Fitz doing that all the time. Um, but apparently they weren't aware of this, so they got it right there on the line of scrimmage, and the ref like kind of tumbles into the Cowboys' offensive line to touch the ball, and then gets back, and then Dak runs a quarterback draw that gets like five, ten yards maybe, and clock expires. That's the end of the game. So a very bizarre ending to this Cowboys game, and that's officially the end of their season now. So, another overall disappointing, I mean, not overall, they did walk away with the NFC chip, but there's trouble in Dallas, man. They have not made an NFC championship game in 27 years. You cannot call this team America's team, man. Um, but, a little piece of debate I wanted to bring up with you boys. Um, do you think Kellen Moore deserves a head coaching spot? You know, like he's been th- thrown around a lot. He's been interviewed by like five or six teams at this point, at least. Um, But he's relatively inexperienced, and you look at the end of the Cowboys game, and that was a very interesting play call to go with quarterback draw, zero timeouts. So you think Cal Moore deserves a head coaching spot? Jaden, I'll start with you. Well, first, I think you in your notes you had the you had the order a little switched they ran the draw and then he then the whole spike thing happened but i do yeah i do think that he still should be in consideration like i don't think that he should just be completely thrown out uh because he has done a very good job pretty much all year with this cowboys offense but he has had a lot of stuff to work with i mean you got to think this is one of the most explosive offenses from top to bottom you got a solid running game fantastic receivers good enough quarterback uh, offensive line is fantastic. So you got to kind of take that into account when you are looking to hire him. Uh, I did have some, like a friend of mine did say that that was the right call at the end of the game to draw. Like in theory, it, in theory, in theory, <laughs> it kind of makes sense, but you go like I, 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 yeah. <laughs> cause I mean, you're, you're what, you're what, 
if if that gets up and spikes the ball, then you get a shot from the 30. I mean, would you rather have one play from the 30 or two plays from the 50? Like, that's fair. I don't think he got yards that fast. <laughs> you know, he was he was at like the 32, something like 35, something like that. I mean, it yeah, was close. The... We can, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could debate this all day, but yeah. I, I still think that Kellen Moore deserves a job somewhere. However, I do not think that Mike McCarthy does. Yeah. And we will get that into that in just a couple of seconds. But, you know, I didn't think Kellen Moore deserved a head coaching spot, especially with that play calling towards the end of the game there. And like you said, you have some of the best weapons at your disposal in football, like one of the best wide receiver cores, um, two really solid running backs. I mean, Zeke, you paid all the money to. He's an elite running back. And then you got Tony Pollard, who's going to get paid by somebody very soon as an RB1. So you've got all those weapons there. You got the O-line. You got a really solid quarterback. So it would be really hard not to do anything with this offense. Uh, Mitchell, what are you yeah. thinking? I think he might get a job somewhere, but do I think he deserves it? No, because look at what happened in the 49ers game. The 49ers find ways to get the ball to their playmakers. Just look at Debo Samuel. He had 10 carries in the game, and he's a wide receiver. He didn't scheme up anything for C.D. Lamb, no real pick plays, screens, motions, or anything for him at all. And they were down the whole time. You have to find a way to get those big-name guys going, and he couldn't. And not even in the run game with one of the best offensive lines in the league. It, you can only put so much of the blame on McCarthy before the offensive faults actually go to Kellen Moore, which I think he's been dodging because everybody hates McCarthy, and he's somewhat of a scapegoat and always has been. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, one last thing I want to throw out on Kellen Moore. Um, he became the OC in 2019, um, and he's put up some really impressive stats. Like in 2019, his first year as OC, he put up the most total offensive yards of any team in the league, and they were six in points. And then this year, most total offensive yards and most total points, first in both categories. So it's hard on paper to look at that and say that he doesn't deserve a job, but I don't know. I think it's still too early. You know, I think a guy like Eric Bieniemy would definitely be a candidate over Kellen Moore. Um, but <clears throat> let's dive into the Mike McCarthy talk, shall we? And he came out on Wednesday and displayed optimism about remaining in Dallas. Uh, and I quote what he said. He said, I know how to win. I know how to win in this league. I know how to win playoff games. I know how to win a championship. And then in regards to Jerry Jones, he said he had, quote, positive conversations with Jerry Jones about the future Jaden, are you buying this bullshit? Nope. I mean, he's he wasted a lot of Aaron Rodgers' career, and he might be about to do the same thing with Dak Prescott. If he can't fix shit, I think that he was brought in, you know, to just let just be there, just fill the head coaching role while Jerry Jones kind of runs things from behind the scenes. And if it's in the Cowboys' best interest to get a guy in there that's not a puppet, like to get an actual head coach that's not just going to follow Jerry Jones, like. No disrespect to Jerry Jones. He's been he's done a lot since he's been around the Cowboys. But like he's he's old. He's not in football like he's not in with everything now. Like the game has evolved so much from the 90s. 
Yeah, fair. Mitchell, what you thinking? I think, honestly, they might be prepping Kellen more because Jerry seems to have an affinity for him. They might just be waiting for him to get the experience in the league to actually be able to manage an entire roster rather than just the offense. And he was a former Cowboy player. You know how Jerry loves his guys and always looks out for them, even after retirement and stuff. I, I really think they're just prepping him to take over for McCarthy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, my thoughts on Mike McCarthy real quick. I think this is a bunch of BS, man. I think he's trying to look good enough. Like he, this is the last post or the last press conference that he's going to have potentially with the Cowboys. So I think that was kind of like a, Hey, I'm still a good head coach. When I get fired, anybody trying to hire me? Like, I feel like that was kind of the attempt that Mike McCarthy was rolling there because I don't believe that he had a positive conversation with Jerry Jones. There's no way. And of course, Mike McCarthy would lie about it. So, yeah. All right. So let's hop into some of the other matchups that we saw in wildcard weekend. And we had the elite of the elite performances from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen this past weekend, man. So, in the Patriots-Bills game, a game in which I picked the Patriots to win, unfortunately, uh, that did not happen. That was very far from happening, the entire game. Uh, final score in this one, Patriots 17, Bills 47. <laughs> God damn, that is, that cold weather, man, that did not affect the ability to throw for Josh Allen at all. He went 21 for 25. 308 yards and five touchdowns. And then on the ground, he had six rushes and 66 yards. He's an athletic freak. He combined for 374 total yards. Um, the longest completed air distance for you, a little uh, next-gen stats. Uh, 54.2 yards through the air in this game. And he went four for four, 141 yards, and a touchdown on throws more than 20 yards downfield. So, a Herculean performance from Josh Allen, but we saw a lot of the same from Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. You had the Steelers and the Chiefs, and you thought I really thought for a little bit there, especially after the TJ Watt touchdown, that it was going to be a different result maybe. You know, it's going to be a little closer. Jaden, you want to share your emotions from... Uh, well, they were very, very, very intense for about a quarter and a half. And as soon as we scored the touchdown, I was like, this isn't real. And then at that point, I was just like, I know the flood is going to come. So now I'm just waiting for it. And oh, did it come? 42. What was it? I'm pretty sure it was 42 unanswered. It was at least 28 unanswered. Um, and then it, it was just like, okay. Like, I, I, I never sat down from like, 15 minutes for kickoff until about five minutes left in the second quarter. And I don't think I stood up again until the end of the game. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I, I had to turn, I had to watch big Ben one last time. I really thought that they were going to let him score, but you know, it is what it is. I, I definitely understand why they wouldn't, but you know, sad to see him go. It's the only quarterback I ever knew, but wish he would have given up. I assume you kind of treated, uh, 
his game against the Ravens as his final game, you know? Oh, yeah. Because you knew. Yeah, well, and that's how I'll always, I will always shipping. remember it that way. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm there. Like, I, I'll always remember that as his last game, you know, and I'm, I, I don't really care. What happened last week didn't happen. <laughs> that really should have been. Imagine riding off into the sunset OT win against the Ravens rather than coming out a week yeah. later and that happening. Yeah. You can't, you just got to toss it out the window as far as Big Ben's legacy. You know, nobody gives a shit. Everybody knew that they were going to, I mean, Big Ben knew he was going to get blown out. He was like, all right, what's the, what are we, uh, plus 22? Obviously, yeah. we're not the better team. We're going to go out there and have fun. And this didn't seem like very much fun, though. There was no fun. There was no fun involved. Yeah, there was no fun. Hey, if you had plus, TJ Watt touchdown, you, you covered barely. <laughs> yeah, good teams cover, man. But, like I said, final score in this one, Steelers 21, Chiefs 42. And this came on the back of Mr. Patrick Mahomes himself. He had a hell of a day, too. 30 for 39, 404 yards passing, five touchdowns, and an interception. And then on the ground, not too shabby. Three rushes, 29 yards with his little uh, soccer mom jog that he does. Uh, but he combined for 433 total yards. Um, his longest completed air distance was 46.3 yards. And then he went three for three, 106 yards, and two touchdowns on throws more than 20 yards downfield. So, with two of the faces of the NFL balling out in the wild card weekend, who are you guys more impressed with? Jaden, I'll start with you. Uh, I have to say I'm more impressed with Josh Allen because, I mean, unless you heard it from me, name a secondary member on the Steelers that isn't Mink Fitzpatrick. Uh, and the Patriots defense, like, that was their calling card. That's what they came into the game. That's what they were going to ride. If they were going to win this game, that's how they were going to do it. And they, I mean, what Bills didn't get stopped at all that game. I think they scored on every single drive or something like that. Mm-hmm. First time in playoff history. So, yeah, that was they, – they absolutely dismantled them. That was awful. Yeah. Mitchell, who were you more impressed with, Patty or Josh? Definitely Josh Allen. The Patriots were a way better defense coming in. People were actually considering the defense, the calling card for them, like Jaden had said. And everybody thought Bill Belichick was going to scheme something up to actually manage a win for them. But, no, seven drives, seven touchdowns with Josh Allen in. And the only time they didn't score was when Mitch Trubisky came in to kneel it out. That was just beatdown. Yeah, it was a pure beatdown. And I was just, I totally agree with you guys. I was a lot more impressed with Josh Allen. Not that Patrick Mahomes didn't have a day, but like you said, that Patriots secondary is definitely notable. And that Patriots defense as a whole was one of the best defenses for the entire season. And to come in and make an embarrassment of them to drop 47, five passing touchdowns. I mean, that's ridiculous. And when you watch Josh Allen play, I think he's physically more gifted than Patrick Mahomes is. Like, that ball has to be going like 30 miles per hour through the air. Like, it's just on a fucking rope. Like, Patty, like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I mean, I guess I'm just kind of used to it, which I shouldn't be, but... You know, Patty, like, rolls out, and he throws, like, across the field, like, and that's all good. But that ball's not going, like, rapid-fire speed like it is from Josh Allen. I mean, he was just throwing darts all game. And the arm strength is just ridiculous. 
And I don't think Patrick Mahomes, I mean, obviously he has the arm strength, but I was much more impressed with Josh Allen's lasering of the Patriots than Patrick Mahomes' beatdown of the Steelers. All right. Let's move on to the last two games that we had from Wild Card Weekend. And they were a couple more blowouts, so we won't dive too deep into it. Uh, the Eagles and the Bucks game, no surprise. The Bucks come out on top 31-15. to 15. Uh, Some of the notable performances from this one. Obviously, Tom Brady is going to Mike Evans now in the absence of Chris Godwin. He had nine catches on 10 targets, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Brady had solid day, 29 for 37, 271 yards, and two touchdowns. And the Bucks on the ground, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard combined for 30 carries, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. And with playoff landing coming back this week, that doesn't really matter a whole ton. But we were concerned about the Bucks' run game going into this game, and they proved that that wasn't really much of a problem. Also, Keyshawn Vaughn, he's he's good, man. He's good. That's all I got to say. But let's dive into the last game that we have to recap, and that is the Monday Night Football matchup that we had, and that was Cardinals-Rams. We definitely expected it to be a lot better than it was, but... We all picked Rams, and we did smash that pick indeed. Uh, final score in this one, Cardinals 11, Rams 34. Uh, Matt Stafford walks away with his first playoff win of his career, so you love to see that. Um, didn't have that crazy of a day. He only completed 13 passes, but he was efficient. He went 13 for 17, 202 yards, and two touchdowns, and went for the way the defense was playing, you didn't really need Matt Stafford to do a whole ton. Um, some of the notable performances from this one, uh, OBJ making his return to stardom, four catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown in the playoffs. And Cooper Cup kind of had a silent game compared to what we're used to. Uh, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. And lastly, Cam Akers, he had 17 carries, and I believe it was 58 yards. It might have been closer to 70 yards, but Cam Akers was obviously very impressive, a lot more impressive than Sony Michelle, and to be doing that off a six-months torn Achilles. Mitchell, can you explain to our audience how difficult that is? Because I, no, I have no clue. I didn't think it was possible, honestly. <laughs> I thought, like, minimum, because you – have no access to the calf muscle when you tear that like you can't fire your foot at all no pressing off with it for months at a time and i did not think it i thought he was just active like just barely healthy enough to go out there and jog and they were trying to get him a little bit like contract incentives and stuff like that like activity bonuses or something but it's amazing. He is a medical anomaly. He's blowing Adrian Peterson's torn ACL recovery out of the water by the fact that he's playing this season. Wow. Yeah. And not only did he look like he was healthy, he looked like he was electric. Like those those moves he was making, he was it was jumpy. He was making jump cuts like a dog. Like it was awesome to see. But on the other side, you had the Cardinals take an absolute shit in their playoff game, uh, especially Kyler Murray. 
He went 19 for 34, 137 yards, and two interceptions. And this is a guy that was a strong MVP candidate for much of the season. But, well, not even much of the season. It kind of fell off halfway through. But he had a severe fall off since the middle of the season, you know. Uh, During the season, he had more than 300 passing yards just three times. And I I looked at the numbers. He was, like, not top 10 in anything except passing yards. So I want to ask you guys, are we looking at the next Oklahoma quarterback bust? You got Kyler Murray going number one overall in Arizona. You got Baker going number one overall to Cleveland. Are we looking at the next... Baker Mayfield, potentially? Jaden, I'll start with you. No, I don't think I'm there yet. Like, I, I love to shit on Kyler, but I don't think we're quite there. He only played, I think, 10, 11 games. No, he, he was more. It was like 12, 13. But regardless, like, it's kind of hard to be in the top 10 of any category when you play 75% of the season. However, he did not look good on Monday night. And I don't know if that's a product of him. I don't know if that's a product of not having a, you know, an X receiver, like a number one guy that they were missing in DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if it's the offensive line just collapsed around him. I don't know if it's Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know what it is, but that was awful. Like, that was really bad. Uh, I think Cliff Kings, like, from what I understand, I read a thing today that said that the owner of the Cardinals brought Steve Kine, their GM in, and Cliff Kingsbury, and he, like, they had a very, very intense conversation in which he was not happy because they collapsed towards the end of the season. I mean, you got to think at one point they were seven and zero, and they finished twelve and five, and then they lose in the first round. Like that is a terrible collapse. So something's going to change this off season in Arizona. I just, I don't know what. Fair. I feel like I've been talking. I was talking about it a lot. Like you can't just plug in guys like D Hop and James Conner and expect that chemistry to come right back. You know, like that offense was on a tear for the first part of the season. But then those guys go out and it's going to take a while for those guys to get back up to speed. And you didn't even have D-Hop in this game, which I think obviously had a huge deal uh, with his poor performance. Um, He doesn't have that go-to guy who's going to get a catch no matter what. But he just looked bad. Like what (laughs) I heard Booger McFarlane. You don't hear a lot of good quotes out of Booger McFarlane, but he was like, um, when he saw it, they were replaying the interception, and he was like, what in the Carson Wentz is that? <laughs> like, the what, the pick six right up against the end zone? Um, but, Mitchell, do you think we're looking at the next Oklahoma quarterback bust? I feel like if anything is going to change with this franchise, it you have to keep Kyler and just change the head coach because you look at Cliff Kingsbury's track record, and he falls off after the middle of the season every year. It's like as soon as teams figure out what his scheme is for the year, he makes no adjustments to fix that at all and just rolls with the punches and gets beat down on every year. They started 7-0, and and they finished, what, 4-5 and for the rest of the regular season and 4-6 and after the playoffs. And in this game, he made no real attempt to scheme up anything to get people open around. Like, no shovel passes, no Edmonds in the slot or anything. You have some playmakers. You don't have that X factor like DeAndre Hopkins anymore, but you still have players, and you still have Kyler Murray, who can be a mobile quarterback. And That's what I'm saying. He just came out know. flat. 
But I don't know why we didn't see more Kyler rushing. Like, and you got to put it on Cliff. He's coasted off of he coasted off of getting Mahomes to the NFL, but he couldn't even get Mahomes over five hundred every year. And that's I don't know how he got a job in the NFL doing that. Yeah. No, definitely some questionable stuff going on with Cliff. Like, you obviously you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, and we talked about that, but it's not like that offense was running through D Hop beforehand. You know, like he was getting. I mean, Jaden made it very clear he was getting like three to four targets a game. <laughs> he was going to him when he needed him, but he was. It wasn't like the Cardinals' offense was based off of DeAndre Hopkins at all. So. Yeah, definitely some questions to answer for Cliff and some questions to answer for Kyler. Personally, I think a lot of that bad performance had to do with him being small, like legit, not throwing any shade. Um, those Rams defensive linemen. We're posting that on Instagram. No We're posting shade. that on Instagram. I'm not even throwing any shade. Like legit, I think a lot of he couldn't see over the line. It just looked bad. So, yeah. We'll attribute that to his shortness. All right. Now that we got the wild card weekend recap in, let's dive into the divisional round preview, shall we? And we got a good slate coming up ahead. We got games on Saturday and Sunday once again. And let's dive into it. We start with the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans in the 430 window. And we'll start with our injury report. Mitchell, what you got? Well, obviously the number one thing in this game is Derrick Henry. He's coming back from that Jones fracture finally. Usually with surgery, you expect about 12 weeks. He's ahead of that, but it's an NFL roster. They have a lot of pain alleviation methods. And they can also wrap his foot up, and he's also a genetic freak. So I feel like he should be a go for this game. Whether or not we see normal Derrick Henry or not might be a little different. But you look at the Bengals' side, and their defensive line is beat up. Trey Hendrickson's finally off concussion protocol, so that's not really that big of an issue. But they just lost Larry Ogunjobi for the season. He just had a surgery on his foot. They didn't disclose what it was on, but he's done for. And then Mike Daniels, another guy on the defensive line who can be a big run stopper, he's dealing with a groin injury. And those typically can have a very high re-injury risk, especially if, well, he doesn't have an injury designation going into the weekend. He's not questionable, but you got to imagine it's still nagging him at this point. Good stuff, good stuff. But yeah, like you mentioned, the return of Derrick Henry is imminent this week. It'll be good stuff. All right, so spread for this game is Tennessee minus three and a half. Uh, The money lines, Cincinnati plus 155, Tennessee minus 180. And I'll go ahead with my pick first. I am going with the Cincinnati Bengals in this one, man. I'm on the train. I'm on the hype train. Call me on the bandwagon for the Bengals, man. And the reason I say this is because I talked about it last week. You're going to be facing up against Tennessee in this round, and I don't believe in the defense. That secondary, beside, outside of Kevin Byard is and Jack Rabbit, uh, is nothing. Really sucks. And God forbid Derrick Henry not rush for 150 yards at the 28 years old, 27 years old he is, with a giant steel plate in his foot. 
God forbid this man doesn't go for 30 carries and 150 yards. And if that does not happen, it'll fall on Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill proved this season that he cannot get it done by himself. He is not the kind of quarterback that can distribute to the talented weapons of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown successfully. So I think the Bengals are going to beat him. Give me Cincinnati on the spread the money line. Jaden, what you got? Okay, two things before I give you my pick. First of all, Sam sent this to me. They the tickets for this game are the lowest ticket is two hundred and fifty bucks. Every other playoff game, the lowest ticket's like one twenty. Why is that? Like, is there any is like what is happening at halftime to make this ticket double? This is probably the worst game that we have on this slate. And it's the highest one by like twice as much. Second, has there ever been a more important playoff game for fantasy football in the next season? Because if Derrick Henry comes out and has 25 carries for 60 yards, everyone is scared of him. No one is touching him. But if he comes out and has like 150 again, he might be RB1 next year. So like that's... Obviously, I'm going to be watching him most of all, as most people are. Everyone's watching Derrick Henry. But this game, I, I think I'm going to be taking prices. the Titans. I will say about the ticket prices, yep. the stadium is in Nashville, which is obviously a really cool place to be. So kind of understand why the ticket prices are so high. But no, it is whack. I I, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Tampa. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee on this one on both. Uh, I think that Derrick Henry will play well. I think that the Bengals, not going to call it luck, but I will call it, you know, a couple things going in their favor, you know, here and there. I think there are some shady matchups that go against the Titans, but I think there are not some great matchups for the Bengals. I think, you know, Larry Ogunjobi going down, that's their main run stopper in the middle. That's going to be a guy that would contribute to tackling Derrick Henry is not there. So I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big day. I mean, we just saw Cam Akers come out after a torn Achilles and do that. What do you think this superhuman is that is Derrick Henry going to do? Like, the modern medicine is fantastic. We'll see guys having torn Achilles and coming back in, like, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be like a bruised thumb. <laughs> it's like the, the, the episode of Rick and Morty when uh, Jerry has to go to the hospital. And they're like, oh, like he got oh. shot 50 times. That's fine. We got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it's going to be with modern medicine. But anyway, Mitchell, I saw you have some questionable looks when I was talking about uh, Derrick Henry's injury. Do you think it's going to have a big factor or not? I was mostly looking at you because you said he had a giant metal plate in his foot. It's a very small bone, Keane. <laughs> hey, man. Any kind of metal in your foot is probably not the best for your athletic performance. I don't think they put metal in his foot. I think they were repairing the ligament nearby it. <laughs> no, bro. We need to do a stat check on that. There's there's definitely a steel foot in that. Or a steel plate in that toe. Or that steel toe. Plate. Foot. Are, are you defying our student of physical therapy right I now? I am. Is that what's happening right now? Okay. Just making so sure. Gives him any bit of a leeway on that. Tyler did say in the chat, he said since he isn't far from Nashville, so obviously both fans can come to the game but to that probably attributes a lot to the ticket prices derrick henry will play with quote big steel plate in his foot <laughs> quote big steel plate literally that's the headline. that's all i got that's all i gotta say but anyway what you got for your pick this game mitchell 
Um, I can see it either way, but I think just with that defensive line injuries that since he has, I think Derrick Henry's going to come out like a bull in a china shop and try to prove that he is good to go. And I think that the Titans are actually going to scheme up a little better than the Raiders did because they were leaving Jamar Chase on an island with Brendan Faison, who is at best a cornerback number three in this league. For that first two drives, I think Jamar Chase had the, what, like five or six catches on him. They were just scorching him. And once they figured him out, they were fine. And this offensive line is still shaky. And one of the things the Titans actually managed to do well is pass rush. I mean, Harold Landry and Bud Dupree are a pretty solid duo. Mm -hmm. Nobody really fears them, but they kind of go under the radar and they manage to get their rushing in and get a few sacks every game, I feel like. So I think that the Titans will win. I'm on the fence about the spread, but I'm still going to take the Titans on the spread. Wow. Uh, I will say, uh, Tennessee does have a great pass rush. You're right. Cincinnati, despite the loss of Okanjobi, they are a top 10 rush defense from this past season. So I don't think that's going to be much of a problem. You mentioned taking Jamar Chase out of the game as being the key to the game. Uh, you take Jamar Chase out, it's going to be T. Higgins. You take T. Higgins out, it's going to be Tyler Boyd. It doesn't matter, bro. They've got the best wide receiver core in football. Uh, we saw T. Higgins go crazy in matchups this year, and we even saw it less frequently from Tyler Boyd. So, yeah, if they, it's not like a one-trick pony. You know, If you put your best corner on Jamar Chase, it's going to be game over. No, I don't think that's – and this Titans team, despite having Derrick Henry, this Bengals offense is going to put up a lot of points. And I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to – put up the same amount of points as Tennessee does. So, yeah, give me Cincinnati on the spread of the money line. All right, the next game we got on Saturday is the 49ers at the Packers. 8-15 at Lambeau Field. Uh, what you got as far as injuries go, Mitch? Uh, Nick Bosa recovering from a concussion. He's logging limited practices again. Concussion protocol is kind of weird. Sounds like he's going to play, but... You never really know with this. And Bakhtiari has practiced once this week. He went DNP, limited practice, DNP again. So he's a big question mark at this point. Jair has managed to practice all throughout the week, but limited. I think Jair will play. He's much more likely to play than Bakhtiari. And either way, it's just going to be a, nothing but a boost to this Packers team who hasn't seemed to need them in their absence so far. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anything crazy on Jimmy G? Looks like he's going to play this uh, He's still playing with that UCL tear in his thumb, but he's been playing through that. His shoulder's banged up too. But Jimmy G is not a guy who needs that pure grip strength with a deep ball. That's not what they ask of him. Mm -hmm. I, it could show up late in the game when they have to start throwing deep. You might end up seeing Trey Lance occasionally, but that. I wouldn't expect it to be too much of a hindrance on him since he already has been playing through this injury. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Spread for this game is Green Bay minus five and a half. Uh, the money lines, San Francisco plus 200, Green Bay minus 240. And I'll go ahead with my pick first. I'm going Packers, man. Uh, they're undefeated at Lambeau this year. It's going to be extremely cold. Um, Matt LaFleur, actually, a reporter asked him today, they were like, how do you think the weather is going to, like, the coldness going to affect you guys on Sunday or Saturday? And Matt Floor was like, it's cold outside. And he was like, yeah, dude, my hands, like, hurt, like, writing. 
And he was like, I didn't notice. So that's the kind of mentality that Matt LaFleur is rolling with. And I imagine this whole team is rolling with it right now. Uh, they've got everything clicking. I mean, that offense looks great. Obviously, you got the MVP front runner Aaron Rodgers, solid backfield, and the defense really something that stepped up. And especially if you got Jair returning, but even if you don't, you got Stokes, you got Rasul, you'll be fine. Yeah, I'm taking the Packers, spreading the money line. Jaden, this sucks because these are probably my two favorite teams left in the playoffs, and they're one of them's going to end up going home. So that kind of sucks. I think I'm going to go with the Packers on the money line, though. I think getting Jair back is going to help a lot. Uh, obviously, Bakhtiari still up in the air. But I think the 49ers are going to keep it close. I think if Nick Bosa plays, he could cause problems for that Packers offensive line that doesn't have the only two good players on it, which are David Bakhtiari and Elkton Jenkins. So, you know, Bosa could probably get in there, have, you know, one to two sacks. But so I think they cover. I still think the Packers are going to win out right, though. Good stuff. Mitchell, what you got? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat with Jaden here. I think this Packers team is going to show up. They, they're they used to the cold. They know how to play in it, and they also have a running game that they don't have to rely on passing the ball as much, and they can just run it down their throats the whole game. But I do think this 49ers team is good enough to cover the spread in this battle of former Washington coaching staff head coaches. <laughs> yep. Matt LaFleur. Um, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Oh. Why did I blank on that? And Sean McVay. Yeah. Hey, also in that in that room. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Shanahan coaching tree, baby. Um, but, yeah. Also, I want to mention, um, I think it's really going to come down to Jimmy G, man. Like, I don't believe in him at all. So, when it comes down to it, and like you said, Mitch, it, he will probably end up in a situation where he will be ending up throwing late, and he's not going to be able to do that, especially him banged up right now. It's going to come down to Jimmy G. And he hasn't been throwing a lot of downfield passes uh, since the second half of the season. You got Debo coming out of the backfield and everything. Um, the offense is kind of new look somewhat. But, yeah, I don't have faith. I don't have faith. So, yeah, give me the Packers. All right, let's dive into the Sunday matchups that we got. And the first one is Rams at the Buccaneers in the 3 o'clock window. Uh, what you got is injuries, Mitch? <laughs> it's almost entirely on Tampa's side. I mean, you just look at them. They are the complete opposite of what they were last year. Everybody's banged up as opposed to no one. On the offensive line, you have Worst and Ryan Jensen both dealing with ankle issues. So far this week, neither one has practiced, and that is a major concern as this Rams defense apparently found their stride on the defensive line last week against Arizona. Then you look in the backfield, and Rojo is in practice this week with an ankle issue, and then Leonard Fournette, it, he finally started to log practices with his hamstring issue. I, I think last week might have just been another week of rest because they didn't worry about the Eagles at all. As bad as that sounds, and it was a playoff game, I think they just wanted another week of rest out of Lenny. But the offensive line concerns are huge right now for Tom Brady because Ryan Kerrigan absolutely blew up Tristan Wirth's backup. <laughs> blew right through him. Former Redskin, baby. And I can say that because he actually played for the Redskins, not the football team. So, <laughs> no offense being thrown out. But, yeah, 
All right, good stuff on the injury side. Let's dive into the spreads and the money lines. Uh, the spread is Tampa Bay minus three. Uh, the money lines is Rams plus 125, Bucks minus 145. And I'll go ahead with my pick first. You know, this is a tough one. Like, I won't, you know what? I'm going to go Rams. Spread the money line, baby. Because a lot of people have been hyping up this matchup. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, you know, they're depleted right now. Bucks are depleted, you know. You don't have Godwin. Uh, and the potential of losing your left tackle kind of sucks. Um, I think playoff landing will be a factor in this game, a pretty big one. Um, because they're definitely going to shut down Mike Evans with the Jalen Ramsey matchup. But playoff Lenny isn't going to take over this game and beat the high-powered Rams offense. So, yeah, against the depleted Bucks, give me the Rams in the upset pick. Jaden, what you got? I think there are two huge faults to these teams. And one of them, obviously for the Bucks right now, is injuries. Like, you're, you're missing Godwin, A.B., left. The offensive line's running thin. You know, Leonard Fournette might still be dealing with injury. And on the Rams side, you've got Matt Stafford. I know it's weird to say that he's a weakness, but we've seen at times this season where he just completely shuts down and plays like he's never played football before. And that's kind of been my concern all year with this Rams, especially once you get to the playoffs, is can you trust Matt Stafford to have three or four straight games where he plays nearly flawlessly, doesn't throw a pick, doesn't make the big mistake, to win the Super Bowl, and that's been the question. I feel like this week, on the road, outside, he might have some problems. I know that he's, you know, he played in Detroit for a while, and he's gone. He was going to Lambeau twice a year, but like he's been indoors almost all year, and he has to go to, you know, he goes to Arizona. Like a lot of his games were inside. He's outside. It's not like Tampa Bay is the most intimidating of. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But like, it, it is outside. It's, it's not, it's not indoors. He's played way more of his games indoors this year than he's played outside. I know that's a very, very small thing. It's a very small thing, but it could mean something. And uh, I, I don't like, like I've, I've proclaimed that I'm not a huge Tom Brady guy. But you don't bet against Brady. I'm not ready to do it this week, so I'm going to go with the Bucks on both. Gotcha. Gotcha. I will say, in regards to your, like, definitely right. Like, it's hard to find a stretch of three or four games where Matt Stafford is just on. But now that he's got that first playoff win under his belt, he's going to have more confidence than he's ever had in his entire career. So I think we're going to see an unleashed Matt Stafford against a Bucks defense that... Sure, Carlton Davis is healthy and everything. Like, you got guys coming back on the defensive side, but this is an older defense than last year, and it's not as good as last year's. So, yeah, give me the Rams. Mitchell, what you got? First of all, shouldn't unleash Matt Stafford be a concern? He might be throwing some wild passes out there just to show his arm off like that. But, uh, and unleash Matt Stafford is a problem, dude. He's not. Dude, unleash Matt, Matt Stafford, Stafford is a top point... five, top three MVP candidate. Yeah, but that's the thing. He was a top three MVP candidate. I mean, you don't think he was riding high when they were six and one and he was leading them to all those wins. That was probably the most confidence he's ever had in his career. And then he goes out and puts out like three or four straight duds. You only get you only get one game. You put up a dud and you're going home. That's 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 my concern, and that's why I'm taking the Bucks. But go ahead, Mitchell. <laughs> I, I think that offensive line is going to be a huge issue for the Bucks still. And you, you have what one 
two you have two good receiving weapons. You have Gronk and you have Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is going to be on an island all game against Jalen Ramsey. And then they can just pretty much double team Gronk if they need to. At this point, I, there's just so many concerns, and I know you don't. Nobody wants to bet against Brady. I especially don't. But I think a loss this year in the playoffs will give him fire for next year in his Super Bowl run. So I'm going to take the Rams on both as much as it hurts me to do so, knowing that it's probably going to come back to blow up in my face. Yeah, I know. Like, God forbid I say, like, maybe it's safe to start betting against Tom Brady at 44 years old. I I think it's (laughs) With a banged up receivers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I don't know. I'm gonna that shit's gonna blow up in my face though, like you said. So we will see. I think they has figured out how to scheme a little better, more like Jared Goff <laughs> playbooks <laughs> to try nature Stafford's not throwing those huge picks because last week he didn't throw much at all. But granted they did run all over the Cardinals and the Bucks yeah, have one of the front sevens. But I think he's figured out the best ways to get him like warmed up, short passes, be able to scheme in the run in the middle of it. I, I think he'll come up with a good game plan for it. It's amazing. And then this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll move on to Bill's Chiefs. But um, it's amazing how much this Rams offense has changed from the beginning of the year. Like, the beginning of the year, it was wide receiver screens, um, like wide receiver screen for each other to open up like passing lanes. Like, it was definitely West Coast offense. But now it's play action. 100% of the time, basically. And now that you got Cam Akers back healthy and Sony Michelle looking great, I mean, why not run with the play action? And Matt Stafford has been running confidently off of it. I mean, you saw that throw, which was amazing. And I remember noting it out. I saw it on TikTok later, a breakdown of it. But I remember noting it live. Um, that bomb to Jan- Van Jefferson. Like, he was staring down Cooper Cup the whole time, knowing he wasn't going to throw to him. And then, like... A half a second before he throws it, he pans over to Van Jefferson, hits him on the deep ball, and it's downfield. He was just waiting for that safety to break on Cooper Cup. So, yeah, I think Matt Stafford's balling in that play action. All right, last game that we got on the slate is Sunday Night Football. It is Bills at the Chiefs at 6.30, and this will be the game of the week, hopefully. Um, Mitchell, what you got on the injury side? Well, one small thing is that Clyde looks like he will be coming back this week. That's not something I put in the notes. It was something I looked up after, but he's looking to be good to go again. Other than that, both teams pretty much have a clean bill of health at this point and should be one of the better matchups to watch this week. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, spread for this game is Kansas City minus one and a half. Uh, the money lines, it's Bills plus 110, uh, Chiefs minus 130, and I'll go ahead with my pick first. I'm a Chiefs hater. You guys all know it. I've made it very clear, and I'm going to continue hating. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills winning in Kansas City. Uh, I think home field advantage has a big, like, it'll play a big factor in this game, but you look at the teams. This Bills defense impressed against the Patriots. And it's not like they're an elite offense or anything, but this Bills defense was the best in the league for a long stretch during the season. And you see guys like Jordan Poyer making that play get to get the interception. Like, oh my God, that's freakish. 
Like, that was Sports Center top 10 easy, like, number one. Like, if this defense can continue to make plays like that and maybe to return to their midseason form, and then you got Josh Allen, no human being on planet Earth can stop that man if he plays like he played against New England. So, I get it. You know, Patrick Mahomes has the elite offense too, but you look at the defenses, I'm still not buying in on this Chiefs defense against an elite Bills offense. So, yeah, give me the Bills on the spread and the money line. Jaden, what you got? So, the last time they played in the regular season, if we all remember correctly, the Chiefs got blown out. It was bad. And... This was when they were spiraling. This was when the defense was like, this is the worst defense that anyone has seen in the last 25 years. Like, they were awful. And then I believe it was two or three games after that, they flipped the script. They're like a top 10 defense for the rest of the year. They've still got that fire from when that happened. I mean, the Bills came in there, you know, stomped all over their field. It was awful. Like, they they beat the crap out of them. Everyone on that Kansas City sideline is going to be ready to go for this one. You're at home. You're in the loudest stadium. In the world or in the country, I, I think it's the Chiefs, man. They're they're rolling right now. The defense is rolling. Uh, you know, as great as Buffalo played last week, man. I just I think I think Mahomes is still better than Josh Allen. I think he'll be able to outduel him in this one. Rolling, though? It's not really. You know, you lost to I mean, Cincinnati, and then you played. That was the their Stiff only loss. Pittsburgh. But this That's defense scored as four- of recently. But, dude, okay, all right. On, <laughs> dude, they scored 14 points when the game was already because the defense, you know, our defense scored seven. The other 14 came when they were up what 28 to nothing, 20, 35 to nothing, like, and they lose one game to Cincinnati since week nine. Like, I mean, I think that that defines rolling to me. I mean, Cincinnati still one of the best offenses in the league, and they, I mean, they were right there with them, three points. So, Jamar Chase put I don't think the defense is wrong. Video game numbers. He did. And congratulations to him. But, I I mean, we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. Yeah, we will see. We will see. Mitchell, what you got as your pick? I, I'm struggling on this one because both teams are hot. This is a At this tough point, one. defense is probably going to have to start playing a spy. Uh, like, have somebody to spy for Josh Allen the way that Dable's finally using his legs and having him roll out, but that Chiefs defense has been up to the task so far this year, minus the Bengals game after the midway point. That's about the only time you haven't seen them make big plays that they needed, but I think this Chiefs team is just on fire right now, and I'm going to take Mahomes over Allen. I think the home field advantage is going to be a massive advantage to Kansas City in this one. And I I... Jarek McKinnon is coming, too. He's the mm-hmm. actual receiving back that they needed so far. And How about Devin Singletary? Bill, Devin Singletary's been solid, but I wouldn't worry about him. He I had a hell it, of a game it, against New England. He's been on a roll lately, too. He's been good. It's just the Bills are not as good in the trenches as you would like a Super Bowl contender to be. And that could end up being like a late game issue for them or break off a long touchdown on a short pass because deep in the secondary, they are lethal. But I think those chip plays are going to eat away at them because they don't have amazing starting quarters anymore with Trey White out for the year. I think he can go right by the line of scrimmage and just beat up on them all game. 
but it's just a matter of how the cards play out and if Josh Allen gets them up early. But I'm going to take Kansas City for spread and money line. Gotcha. All right, so we got two Chiefs and one Bills, man. Dude, it's so fucking unfortunate because our IFC, for, um, which is like the fraternity council here at Kentucky, they have scheduled a mandatory meeting from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Sunday. What kind of anti-religious, flag-disrespecting stuff is that? Like, I don't get it, man. It's oh, I, it's I, work at four, I work at 4 o'clock on Saturday, and I work at 12 or 2 on Sunday, and it's the same thing next week. So I'm going to maybe watch one game over the next two weeks. So it's don't take anything I say in the next podcast with anything. I I have no opinion. doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a crime, man. I Working during the playoffs, like, come on. It's only like a couple weeks. Like, give us a break. During the Bills-Chiefs game, I can't believe IFC did that. I'm so pissed, man. But it is what it is. I'm going to watch it on my phone and probably scream the entire time until they let me out and watch it on my TV in the apartment. So, we'll see how I'm not doing anything at work. I'm not doing anything at work. No, totally It's just 100%. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well... That just about does it for the Blitz podcast. Um, that Twitch stream, relatively smooth, all things considered. Um, but yeah, we'll be coming at you guys next week with another episode. Uh, we're kind of floating our episode dates right now, like we. but we will come out with an episode next week, and we'll let you know when it's being streamed and all that good stuff. But yeah. Good luck with everybody's betting picks this week. Good luck with your playoff teams as you still got some alive. For me, Mr. Kane Schwartz, Jaden Kodazak, and Mr. Mitchell McDonald, we are signing off. We will catch you next week. Peace.